Um, we're in the Psalms, and the Psalms give us, we've been saying this, sometimes they just give us words when we don't have the words. I don't know if you felt like that over the last 20 months, but sometimes I don't even know how to pray. And so I can just go to the Psalms and pray the words of the psalmists, that's the songwriters, this is the, the song book of Jesus, and I'll just pray these words. God has said, in these words is truth. I've inspired these words through my spirit and through these human authors. And so when you engage in these words, you're engaging with me. And so you might not have the words, I'll give you the words. And so it's just great to pray through the Psalms. And so as we are coming back, many of us have felt like maybe God is far, that his presence is not near to us. We've been asking, how do I find God's presence again? And a great way to do that is by engaging in the Psalms. And so we've had this specific theme of how the Psalms and these particular Psalms might help us find the presence of God again. So if you've got a Bible, you can open it to Psalm chapter 20. If you don't have one, this is another exciting news. We actually got some new Bibles. You'll see them underneath the seats in front of you. And because our um, projector stuff's a bit wonky, we're not going to have it up on the screen. So if you normally just well, it's going to be on the screen. Grab one of those black Bibles. These are new. This is the Christian Standard Bible, the CSB. We've used historically. There's a few. The other white ones under there are ESVs. That's what we have historically preached from, but we're kind of making the shift. The CSB is a great translation of the Bible. Uh, if you didn't know this, the Old Testament was written in Hebrew, the New Testament in Greek. So every English translation is a translation. Some are a little bit closer word-for-word translations, like the ESV. The CSB is also a word-for-word translation, but it, it's a more, um, uses more contemporary language. Sometimes the ESV uses words that we're not as familiar with, and so we have to do a little extra study. And so we've decided we, we really trust the, the CSB, think it's a great translation. So we got some new Bibles. Those are under, you can turn to Psalm 20. It's in the Old Testament. It's almost about halfway through your book. And if you grab the black one, find with me page 481, 481. So this is one of the fun parts about all having the same copy of scripture here. It's page 481. You'll find Psalm 20. So I'm just going to read it for you First, it's a short psalm, and then we'll dive in and try to ask God what this has for us. So, if we're there, this is the word of the Lord. It says, for the choir director, a psalm of David. So this is a psalm of King David, or at least attributed to the time of David. It says this, may the Lord answer you in a day of trouble. May the name of Jacob's God protect you. May he send you help from the sanctuary and sustain you from Zion. May he remember all your offerings and accept your burnt offering. May he give you what your heart desires and fulfill your whole purpose. Let us shout for joy at your victory and lift the banner in the name of our God. May the Lord fulfill all your requests. Now I know that the Lord gives victory to his anointed. He will answer him from his holy heaven with mighty victories from his right hand. Some take pride in chariots and others in horses, but we take pride in the name of the Lord our God. They collapse and fall, but we rise and stand firm. Lord, give victory 
to the king. May he answer us on the day we call. Let's pray. Father God, author of this text, would you illuminate our minds and our hearts so that we might understand why you've given us Psalm 20. Why this particular poem, why this song is one that you have brought to us here today. Wherever we come in at, whatever we're wrestling with, whatever distractions might take our minds elsewhere, God, would you just protect us in this moment so we can speak with you through your word. May we speak with you and, and hear what you have for us this day. God, we believe that you've drawn us into this place, that this is no accident that we are here, and so we expect to be surprised by your grace and mercy, by wisdom from on high. We expect that, God. And so we're ready with open hands now as we come to your word. In Jesus' name we pray. So at first reading, when I first read this psalm, I was like, this is, this is a great psalm. Look at this. May the Lord answer y'all in a day of trouble. That's a great prayer of blessing. In fact, we're going to sing a song at the end of the service called The Blessing. But then, as I was reading more, I realized this isn't a psalm about me receiving God's blessings or about you receiving God's blessings. Because if you actually look, and that's why you've got to go back and look at the actual Hebrew, because the English is misleading, we don't have a word always, unless you're from Texas, for the plural you. So at first I read it, it's like, oh, this is great. May the Lord protect you, and I could bless you guys, and I could tell you, oh, I'm praying this blessing over you. So we're going to sing it at the end, and that is praying a blessing over the people of God. But when you look at it, actually, the you is singular. Why is this important? Because as you keep going, what you realize is this prayer is directed at one person in Israel at this time. Not to all the people, but to one person. So who is it? Let's look at it again. May the Lord answer you. So who is this you in a day of trouble? May the name of Jacob's God protect you, this one person. May he send you help from the sanctuary. May he sustain you. What is this? May he give you your heart's desires. I want that about me, but we're not looking. We're looking elsewhere. We're looking at one other person. May he fulfill your whole purpose. Let us shout for joy at your victory and lift a banner in the name of our God. Okay, so now we switch to our God. What, who is he talking about? May the Lord fulfill all your requests. Now I know this, verse 6, that the Lord gives victory to his anointed. He will answer him who's at the anointed from his holy heaven with mighty victories from his right hand. Take some take pride in chariots, others in horses, but we take pride in the name of our God. Back to the plural, we. Hmm. They collapse and fall, but we rise and stand firm. Lord, give victory to, here's the you, the king. And then they go, and it goes on to say, collectively we pray, may he, that's God, answer, uh, sorry, May he, the king, answer us, the people, on the day that we call. So what's going on here? I mean, I, I had a shift in my understanding of this through the week. That happens. That's, that's what happens. That's okay. That's good. 
Like I read it once, I thought it was one thing, then I read it again, it was something else. So I changed my sermon, <laughs> okay? That's okay. Here's what's going on. This is a prayer or a song of the people directed at the king of Israel. Asking God to protect the king, to intervene for the king, to give the king the desires of his heart so that the king might have victory in battle against the enemies of Israel and of God. Fascinating. So, what do we do with that? What do we do with that? I'm going to tell you what we're going to do with that. The exact same thing. We're going to pray for the anointed. We're going to pray for the king. We're going to pray for the person that God has put in place to rule and reign over his people. So who is that? Who is the anointed? Now, before I answer that question for you, I am going to give you a quick history of anointing. How it worked in the Old Testament, how we see it working in the New Testament. So anointing, when you say somebody is anointed, physically what we're talking about, there's a particular kind of oil, and you can look in the book of Exodus, they actually talk about how you make that oil. So it doesn't, there's nothing supernatural, or you don't have to find some you know, alien rock or something to make this anointing oil. But the oil represents something special. So there's like um, restrictions on who can have access to the oil. You can't just go mass producing your own oil and like sell it on the internet. Though pastors have tried, stay away from those pastors, <laughs> okay? <laughs> there's no such thing. Okay, you can't mass produce this stuff. It's a special um, calling of God to be anointed. In the Old Testament, you see uh, priests be anointed, we saw in Exodus, right, the temple was anointed. It's, it's a sort of a way of saying, we're going to consecrate this and make it holy, set it apart for particular service. So the priests were anointed. And then what you see is that when Israel, after they moved through the Exodus, we just, if you're new with us, we just finished a long series in Exodus. They moved through uh, the wilderness of Exodus. Eventually, they come to inhabit the promised land, which is the land of Canaan. Um, there's a time of judges where they don't have a king. Things don't go really well. Uh, and, and then so they start crying out, we want a king, just like the other nations. God says, like, well, you don't need a king because I'm here. They say, well, we really want one because it's really cool to have a king. <laughs> and God says, fine, I'll give you a king. But just know, I'm still truly the king, okay? And so then what happened is God would send prophets to anoint those whom God has chosen to be the king. And so we have this, uh, you probably heard of King David, that's, my name's David because of King David. Like, it's a popular name because of King David. Most of the Psalms are written by King David or at the time of King David. This song, it, Psalm is no different. So when King David was just a boy, he was a shepherd, and he was the youngest in his family. And the prophet Samuel came and uh, came to David's father and said, listen, God has given me a vision that your one of your son will be the next king. Now, there was currently a king reigning. His name was Saul. He was not a great king. He was the first king. And, and so uh, David's dad brought all of his older brothers in front of him, and Samuel said, not, not this son, not this son, not this son. They get to the end, and there's a whole thing. And David's father's like, well, 
these are all my best sons. <laughs> like, uh, <laughs> you must be reading the tea leaves wrong. And, and Timo says, do you have any other? And, well, we've got that, our youngest son, and he's like off playing music in the hills somewhere, okay? He's a shepherd. You don't, it's not even worth getting him. And Timo says, go get him. Bring him back here. Brings his brothers go and get David, bring him back, and he you know, is just kind of a wide-eyed, real optimist, is how I picture it. And uh, Samuel says, "This is the one," and anoints King David to be the next king of Israel. A lot happened in between that time and when David actually takes the throne. But the point is, is that the anointed was the one who God chose to be king over Israel, not who we would necessarily choose. And so we see anointing happening in this way, and this is the way that anointing is used. So although many people were anointed with oil in the Old Testament, we're really talking about the anointing of the king, that one person who God puts over his people to rule and to reign. Fast forward to the New Testament, and again we see some of the language of anointing. But in the particular context of anointing as it's used here, in this passage, speaking of the king, anointing is actually referring to the Messiah. The Hebrew word for anointing, mashuach, sounds like another word that you may have heard. Does anybody know? Mashuach is the word for anointing. Messiah is the word for the coming Savior the one who God would send. The people of the Old Testament were waiting for God to send the Messiah, which means just the anointed one. You see this? So that was what uh, the Jewish people were waiting for, and to this day are still waiting for God's Messiah, the Mashuach, anointed one, to come and rescue God's people and set up God's kingdom. So somebody comes on the scene claims to be the Messiah, does a bunch of miracles, says, I must go and give my life as a ransom for the sins of the world. That Messiah, he wasn't the first one that came and said he was the Messiah, that Messiah dies and is buried, and just like all the so-called Messiahs, anointed ones that had come before claiming to be, it seems like that's the end of the story of this so-called anointed one. And his disciples scatter, they flee, they think it's over, but then something happens. <laughs> well, what happened is the greatest movement the world has ever seen. So the billions of people now worship this old carpenter's son from old Nazareth, old backwoods Nazareth, where nothing ever good came from. People are gathered this morning around the world worshiping Jesus of Nazareth as the anointed one. Nobody would have thought. <laughs> we don't pick somebody from Nazareth. He's a carpenter's son. Nothing special about him. So what happened? Well, his disciples vehemently claimed that he was no longer dead. 
that this so-called Messiah proved he was the Messiah, he was the anointed one, by coming back to life, eating and drinking, and they touched him, and, and, and he gave them more teaching before he ascended to the right hand of the Father to take his throne and set up his kingdom. This is the story of Jesus, <laughs> the Mashuach, anointed one, the Messiah, who is the rightful king. So, you say, this is strange. How would we pray this psalm then? Well, we pray this psalm on behalf of Jesus, the anointed one. So we could just put his name in. Let's do it. May the Lord, your Father, answer you, Jesus, in a day of trouble. May the name of Jacob's God protect you, Jesus. May he send you help, Jesus, from the sanctuary. May he sustain you from Zion. May he remember all your offerings and accept your burnt offering. What is Jesus offering? His body and blood. We could pray that. Father, remember your son's sacrifice, your anointed that you gave as, as, a, as an offering for me. Remember that, Lord Jesus. God, I'm sinful. I've fallen short again. I've fallen into the same habits, the same pits. I'm stuck in the same mud. Remember Jesus' offering. You're anointed. Remember it. Well, why? Jump to the very end of the, of the psalm. May he answer us on the day that we call. God, Father, remember Jesus' sacrifice so that when we call on Jesus, he remembers us when we call on him. See how this works? Verse 4, may, may, may God give you, Jesus, your heart's desire. What does Jesus desire? Us. Relationship with us. Sanctification for us. Growth and maturity and joy and peace. He's the good shepherd. That's what he desires for us. So when we pray to God the Father for Jesus' desires, it's not some sort of trick like, ah, it's really how to pray for myself. It's just recognizing how the good things come through Jesus. So we pray on to the Father to give Jesus the desires of his heart because Jesus' desires are always perfect. And fulfill your whole purposes. Whose whole purpose? Jesus' whole purpose. We can pray for Jesus' purposes to be fulfilled in full. What does this sound like to you? Like when I pray that Jesus' purposes would come true. That every desire of Jesus' heart would come to fruition. Does this sound like any other place you've been taught to pray? Jesus taught us to pray. His disciples came to him and said, Jesus, how are we to pray then? What did Jesus say? Pray like this. You can say it with me if you know it. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread 
Forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. Lead us not into temptation. Deliver us from evil. For yours is the kingdom, yours is the power, yours is the glory, forever and ever. Amen. What does that sound like? Like that middle piece, we like that because we need some food. (laughs) Uh, We got a lot of sin. We need help with some forgiveness. We need some energy for the day. Yes, so that, what are the bookends? Jesus' kingdom can come on earth as it is in heaven because his is the power and the glory forever and ever, amen, right? So all the middle stuff, like the stuff we need, the energy we need, the forgiveness we need, is so that we can keep moving forward to accomplish the bookends. God, fulfill Jesus' whole purpose. What a great prayer. You can pray that. That's the Lord's prayer. Jesus taught us to pray like that. Now we can pray that about Jesus. God, give, give Jesus reign in this world. Give him power in this world. Give him rule over my heart, my life, my finances. Give, give him full control so that his full purpose would be done in my life. That his full purpose would be done in this city. That his full purpose would be done in this country. God, give Jesus everything that he wants. He's the anointed. He's the king. Give it to him. How different is that prayer? Then give to me, God. Give to me, God. Give to me, God. We bypass it. Give to him. Because when he gets everything he wants, Jesus, we get everything we need. That's how you pray. I'm so glad that I realized I was reading this psalm wrong. Because I need a refresher of how to pray. I pray for Jesus' kingdom, Jesus' desires, Jesus' purposes fulfilled. And I ask God, how do I participate in that? Give me what I need to participate in that. You see it? I hope it's epiphany for you. It's epiphany for me. I'm kind of praying the wrong way. I need to be praying for Jesus' rule and reign. For Jesus' enemies to be defeated. For, for anything that comes against Jesus' purposes of mercy, grace, and love, justice, fullness, restoration, praying for all those things to be wiped away. You pray for that? I need to pray for that more. Psalm 20 helps us do that. Verse 6. Now I know that Yahweh gives victory to his anointed. Love the confidence of that. We pray for these things because we know that Jesus' victory is assured. When he walked out of that tomb, it's finished. Wasn't just a maybe, it's a oh yeah. The victory of the anointed is secure. Jesus has beat sin, death, and the devil on the cross by rising from the dead to prove it's, it's truly over. The victory is won. Hallelujah. 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 We can pray this prayer. God, I know that you will give victory to your anointed. It's done. I don't pray these things in vain. I'm not, I'm not worried about them. I just want to align my heart. That's what prayer does. Align your heart with the heart of God. God's going to give Jesus victory. And he's waiting patiently, 
Why? So that we can align our hearts to that kingdom, so that when that kingdom comes, it doesn't have to move us out of the way. So we pray for Jesus' victory, that the anointing victory, uh, the uh, victory of the anointed would be at the center of our heart. Is it at the center of your heart? Do you care about nothing more than the victory of Jesus? That every knee should bow, every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, which is to say, this is his world. He rules, he reigns, we follow. Is that, is that the primary, is that the center of your heart and your prayer? If it's not, I just invite you to pray Psalm 20 until it does. Pray for the king. Pray for his victory, both in your life and the world around us. Okay. That's beautiful, right? What a beautiful psalm. I, was, I didn't pick this psalm for that reason, <laughs> but God did. I need that. Why do I need that? Why do I need to remember that? I'm going to ask you again. We know that the Bible says that Jesus is the anointed, the chosen one, the special one, the Savior. So that's what God has said. But what do you say? Who is your anointed? You say like, well, Dave, I mean, I'm with the Bible here, right? Are you? Or have you anointed something else, someone else, to be your savior, to be your king, the one you've chosen to bring you the things that you think you need? Who's your anointed? You say like, ah, yeah, it's Jesus. I say like, well, how much of your oil are you giving him? Or you're like, I'm going to give a little here, just to make sure I don't misunderstand it. Just give a little over here, and then let me just, there too. But just in case, <laughs> I don't want to be on the wrong side of history here, so let me just sprinkle a little over here. Are you spreading your oil out? Are you? Who's your anointed? Who is the one at the center of your heart that you think if they win, if this idea wins, if, if this movement wins, if this political position wins, then the kingdom will come? Are you sure it's Jesus? And how much of your oil are you giving to him? I've got to be honest. I've sprinkled it elsewhere in my life. I've had to repent of that, which is to say I've put my trust in something other than Jesus. I've trusted a lot of other things. Trusted women, a perfect marriage, money, career, education. I have two master's degrees. Guess what? Nobody cares. <laughs> okay. Nobody cares. <laughs> like, nobody's asking me. Not invaluable or unvaluable, not invaluable, of some value, won't get to take it with me. Jesus will be in the kingdom. I'm not saying don't go to school. I'm not saying don't pursue a career. I'm not saying don't get married. I'm just saying, have you taken those good gifts and put a little oil on them, thinking that they'll save you? I've done it. And I've had to repent. Say, God, I'm sorry. I withheld from you. He's like, Dave, seems a little intense. 
How do I know that's what Jesus wants? Maybe, maybe you've read a story about this. Have you read a story about this? If you've got a Bible, turn with me to Mark, chapter 14. Mark is the second gospel in your Bible. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. The gospels record the life, teaching, ministry, death, and resurrection of Jesus. And there's a story in here. I want to read it to you, just in case you've never heard this before. Or maybe you read it now in new light. You ready? Mark chapter 14. If you're in the Black Bibles, it's going to be page 902. 902. Okay? Starting in verse 3. Mark 14, verse 3. While he, that's Jesus, was in Bethany, this is a town just outside of Jerusalem, at the house of Simon the leper, as he was reclining at the table, a woman came with an alabaster jar of very expensive perfume and pure nard. She broke the jar, poured it on his head, who's the his? Jesus. But some were expressing indignation to one another. Quote, why has this perfume been wasted? For this perfume might have been sold for more than 300 denarii and given to the poor. And they began to scold her. What's going on here? She's got some oil, some perfume, and you have to break, you have to break it open because it's so valuable, it's so expensive, the way they put it into a clay jar, and she breaks it open and she pours the whole thing on Jesus' head. And people are like, what are, you, what are you doing? Don't you know what Jesus said about the poor? About it's our job to love them, to care for them, to give to them? And they began to scold her. Let's see what Jesus said in reply. Verse 8, Jesus replied, Leave her alone. Why are you bothering her? She has done a noble thing for me. You always have the poor with you, and you can do what is good for them whenever you want, but you will not always have me. She has done what she could. She has anointed my body in advance for burial. Truly I tell you, wherever the gospel is proclaimed in the whole world, even to Seattle, Washington, what she has done will always be told in memory of her. <laughs> then Judas Iscariot, one of the twelve, went to the chief priests to betray Jesus to them. And when they heard this, they were glad and promised to give him money. So he started looking for a good opportunity to betray Jesus. What? Have you heard this story? What's going on? This poor, uneducated, dishonored woman is being spoke about today, 2,000 years later. Just like Jesus said. For what? Recognizing who the Meshuach was, who the anointed was, and anointing him before his burial, which is, Jesus knew he was going to die. And he said, this woman is now honored and blessed and elevated and lifted, and she's going to become one of the most famous women 
One of the most famous people that's ever lived and ever will live. Because what? She rightly assessed who the anointed was and she gave all of her oil to him. And Judas Iscariot, the one that betrays Jesus, just can't handle it because he doesn't believe that Jesus is the coming king, the one to save his people. So he goes and he betrays Jesus. I mean, do you see it? Now, I don't want you to accidentally take away and say, oh, we shouldn't care about the poor. No, no, no. Jesus says there's all sorts of opportunity to care for the poor, and you should do that. But he's saying, like, you miss what this woman just did. She gave all of her oil, her only possession. She gave all of herself to me because she knew I was the Messiah. So who do you give your oil to? What are you anointing? How much of it do you give to Jesus? Or do you hold some back so that you can do some other things that you think, eh, that might be a part of how God saves me? That's not a part of how God saves you. Nothing you can do, not even helping the poor, can save you come judgment day. What can save you? Run over here. The body and the blood of Jesus given to you, only the anointed, his sacrifice, his death can save you. Nothing else you do, no good works, no amount of love and care for the world around you can save you. You should do that, not because it saves you, but because the anointed did it for you. So give him all your oil. This is the only special thing that you should anoint in your life as worthy and and willing to save you. The anointed, the Meshuach. Jesus Christ, the Messiah come. Promised, delivered, succeeded. Give it to him. Who do you give it to? You say, well, I don't really carry oil with me. (laughs) Stay away from that kind of thing. Yeah, what's your oil? Your money, your time, your energy, your unique talents and gifts that God has given you. When you express that, when you give that, are you thinking about him for his glory, for his good, for his fame, for his name? What are you giving that to? That's your oil. Are you giving it to Jesus? If you choose to give it to Jesus, listen, this woman didn't know that we'd be, like Jesus promised it, (laughs) but she didn't know. I mean, well, that's kind of a big, bold claim, Jesus, that people will know about me forever. Guess who was right? Jesus. (laughs) He's always right. He's the anointed, the king, the one sent by God. He's right, and he says, guys, if you give me your oil too, eternal life. Eternal life. Your name will never be blotted out from the book of life. You will be remembered forever because you'll be in the kingdom of the living God who came in the flesh in the person of Jesus. This is good news. So what does this have to do with presence? Experiencing, regaining the presence of Jesus. It's pretty simple. Guess who experienced the full presence of Jesus? Now, Judas was in the room too when Jesus was in the room, right? And the woman was in the room. They didn't both experience the presence of God in the same way, clearly. Otherwise, Judas wouldn't run, had run out of the room and gone and ratted out Jesus, right? 
He clearly wasn't experiencing the presence of God, even though he was in the same room as God. So you can be in the same room with a bunch of people who claim to be followers of Jesus, but if you are not giving all of your trust to Jesus, you'll miss the presence of God. Judas missed it. You can miss it. Even if you do all the right things, come to the right places, be in the right rooms, you will miss the presence of God if you're not giving him your heart and trusting him. And it's scary. Hedging your bets seems less scary. Jesus says, I want you to have faith in me. And you will be saved. And part of salvation, or all of salvation really, is being in the presence of God once again. That's what the kingdom is. The presence of God. And Jesus said, you could have it now. You can have it now. God, we pray your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. You can have it now when you put your whole trust in the person of Jesus. I think that's enough. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Thank you. Thank you for sending the anointed, for sending the Messiah. Thank you for accepting his offering, for saying that it is finished, that sin is erased for those who put their trust and faith in Jesus. Thank you for hearing our prayer to accept his offering. God, would you give the desires of Jesus fulfillment? Would his whole purpose be fulfilled in the world? Would his rule and reign wreak havoc in our lives? Take center stage. Would he be the one that we bow to and turn to and follow with every breath that we take. God, would his rule and his reign, would his peace and his justice rule in this city as well. God, would it rule and reign in this nation as well. God, would it rule and it reign in this world as well. God, we pray for your anointed. Give him victory. God, we know it is finished. But we pray that that victory comes more today as it is in heaven. More now than at any time before. More in this place than it has been since time past. God, we pray for the anointed. Lift him high. Make his name famous in this land. That every knee may bow, that every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. Your good Father, elevate your Son. Give him all that he came to accomplish. In Jesus' name we pray.